continue our series on the the marks of the church. There are four of them. We're just going to keep reviewing them every week, and maybe you're just almost whispering them alongside of me now. This definition of the church comes to us from Acts chapter 2, and the church in Acts defined itself by four things. They devoted themselves to one, the apostles' teaching. Two, to fellowship. Three, where we are right now, to the breaking of bread. And fourth, to the prayers. These are the four marks of the church which the church devoted themselves to all the way back in Acts shortly after the resurrection. And this week we are going to continue in uh, part of that definition of the church around the breaking of bread. This brings to us communion, and this also brings to us everyday meals as a reminder of when we give thanks to God, which is throughout the day, throughout all of our days. And so I invite you to open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're just going to read five verses out of Deuteronomy. If you start the beginning of your Bible, you'll find Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. After that comes Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, just verses 1 through 5 this morning. And, and what we'll hear, and just so you know a little bit of what's going on, the context is, is there's a, a re-giving of the law, a second reminder to the people before Moses departs. And so Deuteronomy chapter 8 is just a short section of a much longer reminder that the people of Israel have been given after they've wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. And you'll hear about manna, which was a gift that God gave the people as they wandered through the wilderness. When there was no food, when they were hungry, God met their needs every day with manna from heaven, with this strange bread that fell and provided for them. So as we think about the breaking of bread and how we understand that, both theologically, we, we turn to scriptures that bring up bread and manna with this undertone of God's provision for us. But before we read God's word together, let's pray. God, you know our daily needs. You know the needs of our bodies. You know the needs of our minds. You know the needs of our spirits. And so we pray today as we remember that you provide daily for our bread, that it is you and in your name that peace and love come about, and that in our spirit we are strengthened by the presence of your Holy Spirit. May you speak to us fresh today, O God. And may we receive your word, not only as the written word, not only as your holy scriptures that have been passed down for millennia, but may we receive it as manna from heaven to strengthen our spirits, to refresh us in our faithfulness, and to deepen our understanding of you, O God. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Be careful. 
Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a lot of times at uh, wedding receptions after um, the first dances have happened and things start to seem to be slowing down. I think DJs start to get a little bit jealous that, that people aren't dancing, that they're just kind of sitting around at their tables talking. And you know who you are. You know where you want to be. And there comes a moment in a lot of wedding receptions I've been to where they call all the couples out onto the floor and they're going to play a game of elimination, a timed elimination, that however long you've been married, they're going to call it out. And if you've only been married, you know, for so long, then you get booted off the dance floor. And, of course, the bride and groom have been married for like two hours, so they're the first ones gone. You know, they've been married less than a day. And then you go to maybe a month and you look around and see who's maybe wedding. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. A year, two, three, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five years, thirty years, thirty-five years, forty years. And the dance floor is becoming more and more sparse. And the dance moves are becoming slower and slower. No offense to anyone, this is probably my dance moves anyway. (laughs) And the number keeps climbing. When I think about 40 years, when we hear that in Scripture, we read it in a sentence, it's so easy to pass by how long that is. And we think about how much life is lived in 40 years, whether you've been in a relationship for 40 years or whether you're just 40 years old. 40 years is a lot of life lived. A lot of big stuff, a lot of celebratory moments, a lot of main events, a lot of hardship, a lot of loss. The longer you live, the more you will lose around you. And even more than all of that, more and more just day-to-day moments. We've seen 50, 55. Caitlin and I once attended a 60-year wedding anniversary. Astounding amounts of life lived. But at such a party as that, or often when, when the last couple standing is going to leave the dance floor, often, and I really appreciate this moment, the DJ will ask, what's your secret? Which is an interesting question. 
it's interesting that it's worth asking that, that what is your secret to being in covenant relationship for so long? What's the secret to making that work? Now, I've heard some really sweet answers. I have also seen someone not even answer the question because they had to go to the bathroom so bad they were just gone. I've heard some answers um, that I thought are actually a little bit inappropriate to reshare at church, even though they were shared at a wedding reception, because some people, as they get older, the filter decreases. And those answers are funny and true. But the answers that I find most compelling, that, that I pay attention to the most, and that I found, find the most theologically informed and biblically sound, are the couples who respond, what's your secret to being the last ones out on the dance floor? And it comes in the form of different words of saying, it's the day-to-day. It's the everyday. They're not talking about the monumental events or the trips or, or the, the big life events. It's the day-to-day. That's what it comes down to. I think about Israel traveling for 40 years through the desert and that there is some big events, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But, but what Deuteronomy 8 is zeroing in on is this reminder of it was the day-to-day faithfulness. It was the daily bread, which we pray about in the Lord's Prayer. It was the fact that, that, that we don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is the day-to-day that makes the difference. Now, when you go to a wedding, you get to see some of that celebration of life. And when you go to a funeral, per se, I'm being watched by myself. (laughs) And when you go to a funeral, you see the picture boards. You see significant events. You see meaningful moments. But how much other life was lived in the moments that you didn't think to take a picture of? Even if maybe, maybe we do now with smartphones, but the things we don't take a picture of, the everyday and ordinary. For the people of Israel, they have seen grand events. When when they exited out of Egypt, when when they were brought out of the land of slavery, when God delivered them, At that moment, there were big events. There was the ten plagues. And following that, on their way out of Egypt, they got to the Red Sea. And and if you've read the story, you know what happens. They are cornered between all of Pharaoh's troops, between chariots and horsemen, and they've got the Red Sea in front of them, and they can't cross it. And this monumental event, God parts the Red Sea in front of them when Moses lifts up his staff and the people walk across on dry ground to safety. The exodus... That moment is a pivotal moment in the people of Israel. And it's a moment that they are supposed to remember always. That they are supposed to go back to the Passover and the crossing of the Red Sea. That these are are like birthday moments for Israel. But the big moments, even though they've seen the sea parted, even though they've seen God's power on display through the plagues, even though they have received God's deliverance, Does that last forever? Does the spectacle hold sway over our hearts? 
Nope. It does not take long before the people begin to grumble, before they turn against Moses, before they're just kind of frustrated and done. The spectacle events are meaningful and they matter and they are to be remembered and commemorated and celebrated. But they're not the stuff that sustains faithfulness. It is daily faithfulness that remembers the big events. Our faith, similarly, is not sustainable through spectacle. It's not the mountaintop highs that allow us to live a life of faithfulness. If only that were so. If only every, if only every relationship could be fixed by taking a nice camping trip together. But it's the everyday faithfulness. It's manna in the wilderness. And manna is just not as good. Man is not exciting. It's kind of plain and boring. Everyone believed in the power of God when they were crossing the Red Sea. But they quickly forgot. We, similarly, can have those mountaintop experiences. The mission trip where you felt like you were up against all kinds of odds and everyone's praying and things just worked out in front of you, where relationships are formed, where you're just out of your element for a little while and you draw close to God in a way that is profound and moving. And all of that is good and right and true. But the sustaining of that faith, the sustaining of our covenant relationship with God is in the day-to-day and in the everyday in the making of time and priority, and in the simple gratitude for the plain old gifts like manna. We can take for granted our daily bread. You could not take daily bread for granted in the wilderness. You couldn't even store up manna for later. You couldn't panic buy manna. You couldn't find a freezer to put it in anyway. You can't store it up It's a daily commitment. And Deuteronomy calls the people back to that and says, you know what? You got sick of manna. You complained about it. You whined about it. It wasn't enough for you. But I need you to remember that this daily bread of manna is a reminder and a lesson to take with you that you live off of every word that comes from the mouth of God, that that is what will feed and sustain your spirit. We've probably had favorite meals, but we don't eat them every day. Sometimes it's mac and cheese or ramen noodles because we need daily sustenance. For communion, for the breaking of the bread for us, it is a special moment. And it's a special moment because it's calling us back to the main event. For us, the cross is primary to what we believe, to who we understand, for how we have seen God's love and compassion poured out on us on full display at the cross. The cross is a pivotal and central event for us. And right before the cross, just like right before the crossing of the Red Sea for the Israelites, there is the Passover. Right before the cross, there is the Last Supper. There is the bread and the cup. It is an event, an event, a significant one, to help us remember the event. 
of the cross and the empty grave. And this is why we celebrate communion in remembrance, communion, and hope. That when we do this, just like the people of Israel remembering God's faithfulness through the wilderness years, we come to this table to remember God's faithfulness to us, not just in the spectacle moments, but in the every day of life. We come to communion to remember the event. And in between communions, we have other meals. And every meal that we eat wherever we are is one meal closer to bringing us to the next communion that we celebrate together. And every communion that we celebrate together as a church is one communion closer to the day when Christ shall return or call us home, whichever comes first. Communion's not fancy. It's not bacon-wrapped filet mignon. It's bread of different dietary sensitivities. It's nothing special other than juice. But what we come to remember is special. The communion that we share with one another, with covenant relationship with God, is special. And the hope that we have is not, as Psalm 146 said, is not in princes or the rulers of this world. Our hope is in God, based on what God has already done. And our hope is in what God will do again, for God's promises are faithful and good. We will not be sustained by big events only. But we, like the people of Israel, need to learn and relearn that the manna is enough to remember God's faithfulness. It's been a while since we've seen the Red Sea parted, but it has not been a while since we've seen God's faithfulness in the day-to-day. I've said this before, that on mission trips or something like that, we're, we're looking for God. We, we spend each day in the evening asking God sightings, where did we see God at work today? We could do that every day at home, too. It's like appreciating manna. Be careful to follow. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. That's hard to do. There's 613 Old Testament laws. It is not cognitively possible to consciously remember every single law simultaneously in every moment that you're alive. We might be able to name the Ten Commandments as a group. There is no way without cheating that we could come up with 613 Old Testament laws. Prove me wrong and I will be very surprised and I'll figure out a prize better than a cup of coffee. But I doubt it's happening. But then, after be careful, the very next sentence, remember. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way through the wilderness. That God provided for your daily needs. And remember that sometimes, along the way, people of Israel, you can decide if this applies to us or not. Deuteronomy says, remember along the way, people of Israel, you got a little bit whiny. You complained a lot. You forgot about how... God's power was on display for you and God's delivering love was at work for you. You forgot. So you got hungry and then you were fed because God continued to meet your everyday needs. Your clothes did not wear out. What kind of shoes did they have? Your feet did not swell. You were disciplined because you were loved 
You were kept on the path, and you were cared for. Every Passover meal was one more Passover to remember what had happened to bring the people closer. So as you go into this week, as we've got a couple more weeks before we celebrate communion together, and communion for us as Christians should be like a birthday party. As you go into this week, as you leave from here, pay attention to your meals. Give thanks to God for the daily bread. Give thanks for the people in your life, for the day-to-day, the mundane moments that make us, that make our relationships, and that shape who we are. Every conversation is one more in the bucket of a relationship that it's going to get full of something, so make it good. Make it honest and truthful, and every meal will bring us one meal closer to communion, And every communion will bring us one day closer to the day that we will behold our Lord with unveiled face. Remembrance, communion, and hope in the Lord our God. Amen.